Hello and welcome to Business Without Bullshit, where we take a sideways look at modern business, talking to founders and entrepreneurs about the problems they face and how they solve them. I'm Juliet Ori, and alongside me is my co-host, Philippa Sturt. Hi, Juliet. Hello, Philippa. And a quick reminder, if you like what we do here, please do rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at bizwithoutbs. Now, with that being said, our guest this week is Jennifer Ogunyemi, a business owner, author, mentor, and speaker. She is the founder of Sisters in Business, which aims to support women from all walks of life in their entrepreneurial journey. Jennifer is passionate about representation, religious diversity, and inclusion. After a 10-year career at the NHS working with diverse and vulnerable communities, Jennifer decided to step away and focus on what she cares about the most, changing the narrative of the Muslim businesswoman. And it was in 2017, while six months pregnant, that Jennifer set up Sisters in Business as a reaction to her feeling lonely and isolated after a business venture of hers failed. She wanted to connect with women who understood her faith as well as the reality of business and as a result created a strong female network within the community. Today, Sisters in Business has held over 30 networking brunches with over 1,500 women of all races and religions walking through the doors and has become a safe space for women to network, collaborate and be inspired. Jennifer is a firm believer that female entrepreneurs can be successful without compromising their values, beliefs or family and community roles. We're in good company indeed. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. And I feel completely honoured by that introduction, by the way. So Jennifer, I feel we've got to start at the beginning for you to tell us about Sisters in Business. What is the mission? So Sisters in Business, in effect, is a sisterhood. A sisterhood of women who, on one level, we want to connect as women, as mothers, wives, but on the other level, connecting as businesswomen. And what we look like in the business world, we traditionally don't look like other businesswomen with the boss suits and the heel. We have the heels, but we don't have the boss suits on. And it's something that, I, that I'm that i super passionate about. After becoming Muslim in 2004, I then decided that, okay, the representation of Muslim women isn't great. And that, that is basically what it's about. It's about amplifying the voices of women. It's about celebrating their achievements, but also educating the women in taking their businesses from being hobbies into businesses that can rival every other woman's business that is out there. So my favourite statistic is 65% of female startups fail within the first three years. For a woman of faith, it jumps up to almost 95%. No way. Quite huge, right? And that's for a number of reasons. Why? Lack of confidence. Lack of understanding business concepts, Mm -hmm. cultural boundaries, religious boundaries. A majority of the women that come into business are already mothers and wives. So they're already coming in with a lot of responsibilities that they have. So they're starting it basically as their side hustle. Right. They're starting as a side hustle. And seeing them want to take it from a side hustle into something that is full time, that's feeding them, that's, you know, generating income for them became very difficult because traditional entrepreneurial hubs, they don't cater for women like me. And that's why we started the work that I decided to do. 
So what was your first job? Co-op. <laughs> in the checkout. Which the co-op? Checkout. Is Chinkford. it still there? Chinkford. Oh, you're a proper Essex? Yeah. People from Essex mm-hmm. are, are salt of the earth the yeah. best. Of course we are. You are like, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to shout out to Essex, <laughs> although I, I have nothing to do with Essex, but the most hardworking. Yeah. Just get on with it. Yeah, absolutely. Just on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you start in the co-op. Yep. You So, and thereafter you become a midwife. Yep. And then from midwifery, what happens? Breastfeeding consultancy. Well, that's a very tough gig. <sighs> but Easier than midwifery it. though, presumably. Oh, gosh. Better hours, better hours. Better hours. Would you go back to midwifery? You know, they're desperate for people and desperate for people like you. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't. Why? Because it's hard work and hard work with everything that goes on within maternity at the moment, I don't have capacity for. Okay. If the kids were bigger and they were all gone... And, you know, they flocked the nest. Then maybe something I could go back and retrain because it's been so many years I have to retrain and do all of that, possibly. But for now, no. It also feels like, or it feels to me like your horizons have expanded quite a lot with all the other stuff you've done. And we're going to go on and talk about sisters in business and stuff, mm-hmm. which, you know, okay, it's not caring for people on the ground with individual mothers, mm-hmm. but it feels like a bigger expression of caring for women. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, even within maternity, by the way, I'd never left maternity. So I was always within maternity somehow. Yeah. So even with that, you know, breastfeeding consultancy, I then went on to establish my own business in, you know, training up other Muslim women to become breastfeeding peer support workers. Um, You know, I was very still immersed within maternity. So I never really left it. But, you know, with what you said in terms of, you know, not having that hands on care, but I still have this nurturing aspect with sisters in business because, first of all, I understand the difficulties it is just to operate as a Muslim woman, just as a Muslim woman, not even a Muslim businesswoman. You think it's harder than any other woman? I think it's harder when you wear your faith so openly, absolutely. Meaning in wearing a scarf, you're therefore judged immediately? Absolutely. Do you think it's the same with a crucifix? I think it can be for some people, absolutely. Same thing with for people from the Jewish faith, absolutely. So tell us how Sisters in Business came out of all this. Sisters in Business came out of this because I remember I was in NHS, GP management, and I was at the end of my tether with NHS and the stress and everything. And um, I was pregnant and I thought, you know what, this maternity leave is going to be the get out. It's going to be the golden ticket. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm not going back. I had my resignation letter ready, you know. This after is for child number two. Four. No. Uh, child number, number four. four. Yeah. <laughs> so hang on, you stayed as a, a breastfeeding consultant all the way through. All the way child through doing various two things. And three. Yeah. And then I decided to, you know, create this company. And actually, you know, when I say that the best ideas are born out of pain, I had a miscarriage in 2015 and on the bed during the procedure or waiting to go into for the procedure, I remember coming up with this business idea and it was all because my hair was was out. It was a mess and I didn't want to be in the hospital looking like a mess. And so I I had this idea of starting like a beauty box for women of colour for situations like that. So it'd be like a little care package for like miscarriages and stuff like that. So 2017, I thought, you know, it's a perfect time to do it. I've got the money, I've got the savings, let's go and do it. So I created this company I've done everything you know I thought I've done everything I've done everything press launch 
didn't sell a thing. Didn't sell a thing. Had you told people about it? I told, I told everyone. Okay, no, but so that's that people's most common miss. Like they believe you start a company. You know, remember when we started the law firm? I opened, I opened the doors. I was like, oh, nobody's coming in here. I mean, where are the clients? Mm-hmm. And you're suddenly like, oh my god, mm-hmm. right? I've, I've got to sell. Yeah. I've got to find them. Mm-hmm. You've got to find people to buy. So it's Absolutely. no different. People build websites, but it's really common. But it's but very it's a not, selling is a really uncomfortable thing. Oh god, you know, convince. Trying to convince somebody to give you money is a terrible feeling. It is a terrible feeling. And I hate people that come up to me on the street and try to sell me stuff. And I'm now becoming that person. No, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was like, no, 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 I'm not. I don't want to be in that position. And that was part of the failure of the business because I wasn't comfortable in putting myself out there and saying, actually, I've got this product. Do you want to buy it? It'll be fab. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a marketer. It's also very hard. I mean, it's a bit easier if you're selling a product so you can espouse the brilliance of the product. But anything, I, you know, you'll know, sorry, I'm looking at Juliet now, that when you're selling yourself, it's it's awful. And yeah. particularly women find it incredibly hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that failed. And I, my house was looking like a storage room because I had all the products in there, had nothing to do with it. Did you just work your way through the products? Do you know what? I tried to for like a month. And my husband was like, I don't know what it is that you think you're doing, but if you looked at what you have to get through. So I started gifting it out to friends and family and stuff like that. Never had to buy another Christmas present. Listen, like it was, it was like any, any excuse to give someone a gift. I was like, do you want 10 bottles of this thing? (laughs) And I was like, do you need Happy any gift birthday. boxes? Here is like 15 shampoos. Absolutely. And my friends were like, oh yeah, this is great. But deep down inside, I just knew it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do with it. So I wallowed in like tears for like weeks. And my husband was like, you know, you can't do this. You can't just sit there and cry. And credit to my husband, because my husband's like, he's like my backbone when I just feel like despair like I can't do anything and he'll be like right listen to me right you need to get up and do xyz in the most you know compassionate way of course (laughs) but it was something that I needed to hear so I've always been into events I've always thrown parties and done stuff like that like lingerie parties pajama parties yes we do them even as Muslim women we know how to throw a good party and my husband was like all right you need to combine that skill with the fact that you're a very relational person because that's just who I am and start getting something done. So I was like, all right, we're going to unite on the business level. So I started doing that. Now, something that's going to blow your mind. In 2016, I had written a note in my iPhone to say that I wanted to do events with Muslim women to celebrate their businesses. The first event that I threw was the same date a year previously to me writing that note. So I've done the first event, sold out. Second event, sold out. Third event, sold out. I had women coming all the way from like West Midlands, Wales, Scotland, all of that. And I was like, oh, something's something's happening. And how were they finding out about it? Were you on social media? I was on social media, but it wasn't that great at the time. It really wasn't. It was a few posters here and there, a few quotes here and there, but it was more through word of mouth. And I remember at one of the events, one of the ladies came to me, she said, you know what, you're actually changing the narrative of what a networking event looks like. Yeah. And I always say that networking events is nothing new. I just introduced something different into a community that probably knew nothing about it at the time. 
I also have to say that women's networking events, I think, because I go to a lot of network, or I did before lockdown, a lot of networking mm-hmm. events, and women's networking events are a bit different. Yeah. They tend to be more friendly. It's that unspoken language. They tend language, to be less. It? Unspoken words. I always hideous. say there's something special that happens when a group of women gather in the same room. Feels very supportive a lot of the time. Absolutely. When you walk into the room and you take that sigh, I know why you're sighing. When you walk into mm. the room and your eyes are looking a little bit uncertain, I know why they're looking a bit uncertain. And combine that with my religion and how big sisterhood is in our religion. I think that's what really made our networking event something different and something special to attend. And so what do you do at the events? We network, we yep. talk to each other a lot, educate the women a lot, but also we nurture a lot. Because we eat a lot of sweets. Oh God, we eat a lot of food. <laughs> do you have speakers or do you just... We do have speakers. Yeah. We have speakers, we invite, you know, different women down to come and, you know, come and educate, you know... Without sounding big-headed, I have given, our, well, my platform has given a lot of women their first speaking engagement. They've given women, I've given women their first sell in And that's business. a brilliant thing as well, Absolutely. is to get people up and talking mm-hmm. who've never done it before. Absolutely. Because they feel safer because they're in a room of Muslim women. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I think on the face of it, we look like a religious group, but we're not. Can non-Muslim come? Absolutely. We've had non-Muslim women come. Absolutely. But you just got to be a woman. You just got to be a woman. Okay. That's the only... That's the y- only You'll be thing. allowed in. Yeah. That's <laughs> the only thing. Okay. That's the only thing. But, you know, there is something truly special about women coming together and being together and really actually feeling safe together. Because that's what it's about. It's about us holding you in a place of safety and trust because we really want to see the better for you. So the moment you walk through the door, yes, you're there because of your business, but actually we're connecting with you on the foundation of just being another woman that looks like me. And so is there any bit of what you do, any bit of sisters in business that you find harder? The bit that I don't like is the admin stuff. Oh gosh, I can't. I can't. Your accounts. I can't stand the accounts. I can't stand the admin. I can't stand any of that. Put me in a room of people I can talk for days and hours I can do all of that but put me in front of the computer and tell me to answer emails oh god like you need an admin assistant I do I do but she's like okay Jennifer you need to answer this email and I'll be like okay I will and like two weeks have passed and I see the nudge in gmail and they're like you need to answer the answer the email and I'm like yeah yeah I do but I hate that part because you know the detail yeah so you say you don't like admin Mm -hmm. but it sounds to me like you quite like organizing things yeah I can do all of that yeah. I can find the venue. I can, you know, it's quite of the fun theme. though, right? It is. Yeah. And I think it just, it, it's my personality. Um, but the team, I'm so grateful to have a, 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 a team of women who get the vision, who understands what we, what the aim is. And they work night and day to make it something that is possible. How big is the team? A team of five. It's fairly big. We're doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> doing all right but before we found the team of five oh gosh hiring and firing was like i don't know how people do it i'm such a shit firer <laughs> <laughs> i'll like write a message i'll like write a text message and be like um i don't really think it's working out and then my husband would be like that is not the way to fire someone. i did um i did once dump somebody by text message so it's kind of the same thing 
I just can't do it face to face. I'll be like, nobody likes firing anybody. But I think that's one of the toughest things as a boss. You have to be able to do it. Because the other people won't stay with you. Mm. Good people don't stay with bad people. Absolutely. And it really ruins. Mm -hmm. If you're in an enormous organization, fine, Mm -hmm. you can hide the person, put them in a cupboard, have little interaction. Mm -hmm. But you need particularly in a small team everybody nobody can hide they've all got to be contributing and helping Mm -hmm. otherwise you go backwards absolutely you have four children and a business Mm -hmm. how do you balance that and a husband a question i ask myself every morning (laughs) (laughs) i'm like thank god these humans woke up today that's like the first thing that we're that we're grateful for your husband sort of share the childcare. absolutely we made them right so we have to co-parent and we have to do it well, you know. Um, he he runs his own business as well as having his own professional career. I've supported that. I think I've 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 poured into that quite a lot, and now it has to be reciprocated. But I am grateful that he is very supportive. I am because it's different for men. It's different because he sees me going out all the time. I can't always be there at bedtimes. Like this evening, I'm here. I can't always be there at bedtimes. And Christmas period was. To, was actually a really difficult period for me because my youngest cried every single night because she wanted me to put her to bed. So that is what is hard because I know that there are times I'm missing out on children's stuff. There are times where I've I've promised to come on a school trip, but then I've asked, you know, I've got to do a meeting or, you know, um, we've got a presentation to give or something and I can't go and dad can't go because he's at work. So those moments are really, really difficult for me because I've always been there for the children. I had an amazing advice from actually a very successful lady that ran MasterCard in the days where you weren't allowed any maternity leave. There was no flexibility, nothing. She missed everything of her children. And she felt that they would have really terrible hang-ups and stuff. And she said, you know, they've got no memory. It's only me that remembers the fact that I Mm. miss their nursery play and I miss this and Mm. I miss that. They have no memory Mm -hmm. at all of Mm -hmm. it. She said, actually, now that they're older, it's the older they get, the more mental support that they need. Mm -hmm. I'm not advocating at all. Of course. But but some people, it's the juggle. It just shows the pressure we've got on ourselves, isn't it? it? It is mainly yours Mm. so long as they know if there's a crisis Mm -hmm. you are there yeah and as they get older she says you know i don't miss anything of Mm. my daughters now so university you know just as they got older of course they then wanted nothing to do with her which we then had a hilarious (laughs) conversation about but you keep showing up as that irritating parent until they appreciate you into Mm -hmm. their 20s when they have kids of their own they need babysitting that kind of thing (laughs) But it's much more you mm-hmm. and you holding the guilt about it mm-hmm. and stuff. No, you're right. It's definitely pressure that we put on ourselves. But credit to you for creating a home and encouraging them to be together. A shout out to dad as well, because I can't do it by myself, right? Dad well, I do. Well. I, I have to say I need a special gold <laughs> star for your husband because I do think he's done really well. Yeah, he has. He's and to with stand a lot. by with you with all your early shit, I feel... Yeah, he's put up with a lot. Man. I can't... Honestly, if he was here, he'd be nodding with you like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Hoori Clark, Hoori Clark, the one-stop shop for all your legal and accounting needs. If you're in the UK or overseas, Hoori Clark, 
shop for all your legal and accounting needs. If your company's big or small, they can help you all. Straight Talking Financial Advice since 1935. And that was the amazing Christopher Reese. Big up Chris, spelled R-E-E-S. At this point, let me quickly remind you to look him up and start following and listening to all his music because he's amazing. And maybe when you're doing that, go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and click follow so you never miss an episode. But mainly, go and check his shit out. Now, back to the chat. So what are you most excited about for the future, for the business? I am really excited about the fact that people are really getting to know what I do. And because of that, it's given me so much more confidence and so much more motivation to keep reaching for higher and bigger things for the business. Because four years ago, I didn't have this vision. I just wanted to bring people together. Two years into that, I realized that I can bring people together pretty well. So actually let's aim for a little bit more. Year four, and I'm on podcasts like these, and I'm on TV, and I'm doing all that kind of stuff, is definitely fueling that fire. Because I'm a normal person. There are times I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I can't do this. I can't be the advocate. I can't be the businesswoman. I can't be the mum. I can't be... But that's okay. Absolutely. But it's moments like these that remind me... Get your ass in gear. That's it. I can't get. I can't give up. It's not an option to stop now. It isn't. You won't stop. Well, you've also got five people dependent on you, which yeah. doesn't... Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think when I think about my children, it also gives me another a motivational hit because I want to make the world different for my girls who are going to grow up as Muslim women. So that must be the thing that you want to change in the world and for the future. What I want to change is when people walk into a room, it's not, I want it to go from there's a Muslim woman in the room and everyone looking a bit unsure to the fact that having a Muslim woman in the room is something that is normal. Because even though people think it's normal now, it's not normal now. I have to search far and wide if I walk into a room and then deal with the fact that I am the only person that looks like this. Which isn't a problem because I actually see this as something that's an icebreaker. I think my scarf is an icebreaker. I see it as something people come up to me and be like, oh, so what are you about? And who are you? And, you know, when I tell them what I do, they're just like stunned because I just, I just look like a normal person. <laughs> but I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's still the case that in business, most rooms you walk into will be white middle-aged yeah. men, mm-hmm. let alone Muslim women. Yeah, It's just not you know, you don't see that many of them in the business place. Absolutely. And so changing that narrative is super important. And all I am doing is reminding women that you can be whoever it is that you want to be, regardless of who you are. You don't even have to be a Muslim woman. Just standing up and showing up every single day in the capacity that you choose to do on your terms is so much more important than showing up for everybody else. Because at the end of the day, we know that even if you became what the people wanted you to be, they're still going to want you to be different. So what does that look like for you? And what does that mean to you? That's how you show up. Pretty powerful stuff. That's a bit of advice I've been given in some considerable time now. I was about to ask about what was the best advice you'd ever got. The best advice I was given is you must never, ever stay stagnant. You can never stand still because the moment you stand still is when doubt comes. 
The moment you stand still is where you are actually saying to yourself that I do not trust my next step. But the moment you trust your steps and the moment that you trust the journey that you're about to embark on is where you will never stay stagnant, even when you're in pain. So even when I'm in pain and even when things are not going right, I must keep walking. So you're like a shark, basically. I'm like a swan. I look really good on the surface, but underneath there's a lot going on. <laughs> so what are your top three reads? Or podcast, do you podcast? I'm an audible person and I'm a podcast person. My top podcast has to be Jay Shetty amazing podcast and I just love his insights into things the other podcast is high performance podcast because I regard myself as someone that's quite high performance and you know it's good to hear other people's stories and things like that Um, and my third podcast it would probably be Rob Dial he's a Canadian podcaster and he just says it as it is like what are his podcasts on everything mindset health um, marketing business it could be on anything but he just tells you as it is and sometimes I just need to hear it like you know get up and just do what you gotta do top reads like I said I'm an audible person and my top read has to be Becoming by Michelle Obama and I'll tell you why when I read her book I was blown away why was I blown away because with everything that she wanted she always started from the beginning and I remember reading her book And this quote came to mind, and I'm going to read you the quote. When people ask me who is my inspiration, my answer will always be myself. I became the person who I didn't think I could be. I became the person who my family didn't think I I would be. And I became the person that life didn't think I could be. And the reason being is every single moment in my life, I was becoming I was becoming a wife, I was becoming a mom, I was becoming, you know, this person with a career. I was becoming a businesswoman. And that's why her book, because at that moment, I realized that with everything that I do, and by the way, I have so many skills. I'm an author. I wrote the first book that caters to black women's hair in the Muslim community because I became a qualified hairdresser. I became a qualified cupping therapist. I learned how to speak Arabic within my first two years of becoming Muslim. I was not afraid to skill in anything that I wanted to do and going back and educating myself. And that's the exact same thing with Michelle Obama. She showed that there is no fear in starting at the beginning. And for me, there's something special about starting right at the beginning and it being a humble beginnings because that's where my grounding is. So that's my top book. Okay, so that brings us to our favourite part of the show, the business versus bullshit quick far round. D, cue the music. This is where we reel off a list of key terms and all you have to do is tell us whether you think it's business or bullshit. Jennifer, are you ready? I am ready. Disclaimer, my audience, these people are making me say the word bullshit. I'm not Sorry. saying it. Do you want to say something? No, no, no. I love the fact that I'm saying bullshit and I'm, these okay, people are giving me a to. reason to say bullshit, yeah, by enough. the way. So okay. just a quick disclaimer. Number one, diversity quotas. Bullshit. Stand up meetings. Oh no, that's a good thing. So what's the other word? Bullshit business. or business? Business, business. Uh, Coffee. Bullshit. Agendas. Bullshit. Hour-long meetings. Forget it, bullshit. <laughs> We're going to be friends, Jennifer. 
office dogs. Now this is very key, very key. There's a I'm big survey. I'm only going to say business because my daughter is fascinated with dogs. No, Jennifer, we're not friends anymore. I this celebrate is- every time somebody says bullshit. It's brilliant. If it was me answering bullshit. Have you got a dog? I don't. But my daughter desperately wants a dog. Are you going to sign up to the dog revolution? Absolutely not. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, I'm not. It's not. Who's going to be walking it, miss? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, carbon credits. Mm, business, I'll say. Swearing in meetings. Business. Damn straight. Pub lunches. Well, okay. So, brunches for me, yeah? Business. <laughs> B-Corps. Bullshit. NDAs. Oh, yeah, business. Unlimited vacation. Business. LinkedIn. Business. Formal work clothes. Oh, bullshit. Excellent. That's the end of the quick fire round. I feel you passed the test there, Jennifer. Thank you. Great stuff. So, Jennifer, if our listeners want to find out more about you online, what's the best way for them to do that? How do they find you? So you can email me at officialcitizenbusiness at gmail.com. You can also find us on um, Instagram at Sisters in Business or LinkedIn, Jennifer Ogunyemi, or go to our website, www.citizenbusiness.co.uk. So there you have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. Thank you to Jennifer for joining us. Thank you to my co-host, Juliet. And a big thank you to you, dear listener. And we'll be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, please rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Until next time, it's toodaloo.